This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Hall Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist for Mississippi Today. Happy Halloween! Yes, I did that in my optional ghoulish voice, and because, of course, today's show falls on that iconic holiday, so I thought... Well, actually, we thought Jermaine had a big part of this, too. Why not bring some insight into the real-life accounts, retold stories, and century-long traditions that help bring this season of celebration to life, so, so to speak, I guess. Like digging up out of grave to life. Anyway, I, I have the pleasure of welcoming my next three guests, Brian Riley, founder of the Mississippi Paranormal Society, Melanie Roberts, tour guide with McRaven Mansion in Vicksburg, and Lorena Kairos, a former director of the Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity. So they'll be joining us today to discuss those aforementioned accounts, stories, traditions, and more. And before we get into that, though, I got to say, number one, <laughs> this, this show is going to be hard because I'm sitting there looking through the glass at Batwoman. Um, you, you have a mask on your face. Yes. Yes. With headphones on. <laughs> With the cape, which, I mean, it's an awesome costume. Of course, you dress up your, your dog, your poor Boston. My baby. Your Boston Terrier to look like a bat. It was a bat this Yes, morning. and I have never seen a more disgruntled look on a dog in my life. You are going to find a present in your shoe when you come home today. I'm just she, telling you that right now. She used to actually tear the shoes up, so that mm-hmm. may be what the present is. Oh, no, 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 no. This is another level beyond destruction. This is actually letting her know. Letting you know exactly what she thinks of you in, in that shoe. So that's great. And I, of course, you know, I go on uh, Instagram and my son's, uh, my college son's yeah. Instagram shows his costume. And I think he dressed up as a nerd. No offense to nerds out there. because, yeah. But he dresses up as a nerd. And I'm looking at him and it looks exactly like my engagement photo. To my wife. So what does I that mean, say about no? And that says a lot. Well, I'm dressed up as a nerd now, obviously, because that's that's I'm a middle aged nerd at this point, you know. But it was just hilarious. Yeah. I was like, I, so I sent him both the, the picture of my wife and I and the picture of him, and I said, who wore it better? Yeah, you know, definitely the on originator. That. So you ready for a big Halloween? I am. I mean, I don't do much, but hang out with the dog. We. We do the COVID candy thing now. We just put the the candy on the street and put a sign. Oh, yeah. Well, says, you just might as well say take everything because <laughs> well, that's what happens. Because usually you see that one kid that comes and just dumps the whole thing in their trash well, bag. I'll do the cheap bag of candy one, you know, get get a few bags, and then you go out every hour and you just check to see. Yeah. What do you give out? What's your candy of choice? Well, with this kind of situation, you kind of got to give out like lollipops. That way nobody just comes and just takes all your chocolate. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We buy the chocolate for us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we moved a couple years ago. We moved into a, a really great neighborhood, but we're probably the youngest people in the neighborhood just be, for for various reasons. So we don't get anybody hardly at our house on yeah. that. So the first year, you know, we bought like all this great candy and everything. And I gained 14 pounds, you know, because I had to eat the candy, of course. And so my my youngest son is about to age out of the whole trick-or-treating things. You know, right. he's at the point now where you're wondering – 
uh, you know, when you see somebody his age come, but he still likes to do it. Yeah, so we'll probably take him to stuff. a few places because well, it's it's a fun day, and you might and, and I think our guests today are going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you, I'm I'm going to unfund this because I'm sweating behind this mask, so I'm, it's coming off. Oh, I thought you were going to unfund the show. <laughs> no, well, wow, that's great. Unfund this mask. Thank you, friend. <laughs> I appreciate that. But anyway, I, I'm excited about it. Now, the question is, do you believe in ghosts? Um, ah. I, I, well. I, I, yeah, okay. I don't, you know. So I put you on the spot there. Yeah, you did put me on the spot because I don't want anybody to think that I don't. Um, I, I do believe in, I guess, supernatural. Yeah. Um, as far as them tapping me on my shoulder or me seeing There's that, one right behind you. I believe it. And there has not been any of that, so. Oh, well, see, just because it hadn't happened doesn't mean it. It's not know. real. Well, and see, I, I believe the Ted Lasso line, you know, you know, it's not a question of believing ghosts, it's whether ghosts believe in themselves. Yeah, and that's. And that's important. They better, because that's the only way I'll believe in them. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> real quick, before we get to our first guest, because he's amazing, it's, it's going to be a fun guest. Uh, congratulations to Jackson State University, mm-hmm. obviously. The game day experience and everything else. The water system didn't crash. Uh, whatever, you know, Comet didn't hit the stadium and everything else. Just there were stopped. great rumors about celebrities being there. There were celebrities there, but it was a fun weekend and just a huge moment for the university that I think that it richly deserved. Congratulations. Yeah, they're good. All right. <laughs> well, our first guest is the Par- Mississippi Paranormal Society founder, Brian Ridley. He heads an agency whose mission since 19. 19- has been dedicated to helping people find answers or helping those having issues in their homes, businesses, and historic places in dealing and haunting. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome to Now You're Talking. How you doing? Thank you for having me on. Oh, that's great. I mean, I've been looking forward to this uh, discussion because, I mean, you have seen some things and done some things, and uh, I think you're going to bring a lot to this uh, Halloween discussion a little bit. Obviously, you have a passion that made you want to develop the Mississippi Paranormal Society. How did this all begin? Uh, for me, I just had some, as a person in my late teens, I had a few experiences, and I just really couldn't explain them. And I started researching the paranormal, researching hauntings and ghosts. And I started out as a researcher. And then I got into the investigating a few years later. Um, mainly for the first several years, we just did private residences and every once in a while a historic location. And, you know, it's, we just wanted to help people um, find answers. You know, we wanted to educate people. And while at the same time, we're still trying to figure out this field because it's ever-evolving with the theories. Right. Um, so many theories are out there about, you know, why are there ghosts? You know, how do they interact? How do they exist? And a lot of it's just research. And once you get into the actual investigating, that can be a lot of fun, especially if you're helping somebody. Um, at the same time, it can be very nerve-wracking because um, you're going into somebody's home or the business where they're having possibly very bad problems with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I meant to say, there's so many different directions I could go with my next question on this. But the main thing is, you know, are ghosts generally benign? Are they friendly? Are they, um, I mean, are, are there bad ghosts and so forth? And we kind of, in our, in our house, and I'll just tell you this real quickly, in our house, the, the person who built it, who loved the house, uh, died in the house. And so we have a lot of weird things that happen in 
our house. And so, you know, like a light will flicker or whatever. And my son claims he he's, thought he saw something. I thought I saw something. It, we we call him Jeff, right? So and at one point we just said, hey, Jeff, man, we love this house just as much as you do. And we really haven't heard anything weird since then. So I think it was one of those things that, you know, we were the new people in the house and, you know, he was kind of letting us know that he loved the house still. I mean, that would be my theory, but what are some of the things that you hear? Um, you hear as in whenever we're in a, yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know you did, I don't, I don't mean like boo, but what are some of the stories that, um, you, you, you hear oh, from okay. your, well, your it's a mixture. Yeah. It's a mixture of it. Um, a lot of times, majority of the time, people are just very curious as to, okay, we think we have something in our house. Uh, we're seeing, you know, shadows, things are moving, this and that and the other. We're hearing odd sounds. A lot of times we think that somebody will stay behind after death just because of an attachment to a place yeah, or an object. Uh, you know, they loved it so much in life that they just can't bring themselves to leave. Um, very rare, and I would say probably 5% of hauntings are malevolent, like, and, you know, an angry spirit. Um, probably 1% or 2% would be a lot more than malevolent, something that we would call demonic. Ooh. You know, that's very, very rare to come across one of those kind of cases. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, they're just people that just, they didn't want to separate themselves from the property. You know, something's holding them back. Uh, the whole theory of they have a message to deliver. You know, in a lot of our cases, we'll go in, we'll try to communicate with them, and, they, you know, afterwards we'll review our audio and video and maybe catch something, especially on audio. And after we're done, sometimes those places have no more activity, paranormal activity. And so we think, okay, well, apparently they got their message crossed, and they felt comfortable enough to leave. You know, or we try to help a spirit break that hold that they have on a place. Like, okay, it's okay if you move on. You know, what are some of the things that you've heard picked up on audio? Oh man, a lot of it. Um, that would be EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, mm-hmm. or real time using like a spirit box or an ovulus or something like that. Uh, we've been told to get out, ah. um, help. Um, can you hear me? And we actually have gotten that. We've gotten names from, you know, different places, you know, who, you know, what's your name? Or we get like a John or whatever the spirit says their name is. Um, it really varies. We've been told a lot more than get out, like very profane. <laughs> um, it, it can get really crazy sometimes with what we capture. We'll actually capture sometimes conversations. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And we call that probably a residual haunting. That's something that happens over and over again. Um, we, the theory is whenever the 
environmental conditions are all right, those experiences will play out. They're not actual spirits. They're like memories being played out over and over again. And sometimes we'll pick up on that or we'll see something. Yeah, when you see th- something, do you see like just something that looks cloudy, like a light, or do you do see, you see a full body apparition, or what do you what do you normally see? A lot of times, for me personally, I see a lot of shadow figures, and I think that is one of the manifestation process that a ghost will go through from being invisible to trying to be seen. Mm-hmm. I have seen a few full body apparitions. Oh wow. A um, couple of them have been very solid, like I'm looking at a living person. Oh. Sometimes there's been you know, one or two where I will see somebody that's transparent. Wow, and, and did you figure out who that person was? I mean, did you know that it was like a former resident or something like that? In a few locations. Yeah. Uh, I can give you an example. Sure. Uh, you mentioned the McRaven Tour Home earlier. I used to work there as a tour guide. And whenever I worked there under Mr. French, who was the owner before the Reeds, who now own it, we would see Mary Elizabeth, one of their prominent spirits there. We'd see her all the time. And she looked like, you know, a short lady wearing a brown dress, long brown hair. And... You know, several people have seen her over the years, and I think I've seen her at least three times. We were out filming for, uh, did a a special with WJTV about different ghost stories, and the one I did was on Stuckey Bridge out near Meridian uh, on the Chunky River. And, of course, Old Man Stucky, you know, we were talking about the legend of that. I naturally hit my head on a steel beam and give myself a concussion. At that point, they're like, yeah, Stucky claimed his last victim. And I'm like, great. But I, I did survive. <laughs> but, you know, it was it's it is so scary in its own right. <laughs> you know, that, that but but um, have you ever been out that way or ever heard any of the stories out there? I've heard several of the stories, and that is actually on my to do list for next year. Yeah. Highly recommend it. it. It's an amazing place. It's it's gorgeous and so forth. But the story is, is fantastic, too, on that. Uh, you've got some upcoming events and so forth and your website and so how folks can get in touch with you. Uh, yeah, we have a ghost hunting event at Southern Cultural Heritage Center in Vicksburg, Mississippi, uh, this coming Saturday. Which is kind of weekend. spooky in its own right, that stage. It's a pretty neat place. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this property takes up one whole block. And it's the old St. Francis, St. Francis Xavier School. That's right. Um, the Cobb House and the Sisters of Mercy Convent. So, and it's already spooky looking in the daytime. And I'll actually be doing a Facebook Live from there tomorrow. Oh, cool. On my Mississippi Paranormal Society page. And, you know, at night, it just gets even more creepy. And we've had a lot of communication with our audio devices um, at Southern Cultural. We've done, this is our sixth year of doing this ghost hunting event there. Tickets are $60. Um, the event goes from 6.30 to about 1 in the morning. Um, it, it's just a fun place to investigate, and it's a fun place to learn what paranormal investigators are doing and at our events we may
think this to be, even though there are ticket buyers, there's, we have a, we set it up as an active investigation. So people take it more seriously. Right. You know, it's just not, uh, you know, come get your cheap thrills, you know, be scared. You know, a lot of people who come to these kind of events, they want to experience the actual investigation process. And another event I'm supposed to be taking part of, we'll be at McRaven on November 12th. I'm going to be a guest investigator there as well. So, But, yeah, Southern Cultural Heritage Center, you can go on Eventbrite um, and buy tickets off of there. Um, go follow Mississippi Paranormal Society um, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, shoot us a message if anybody has problems, you know, in their home or business. We'll be glad to help out. Yeah, Vicksburg really does seem like it's an epicenter of paranormal activity. There's a lot of things that go on. And you can imagine because there was an awful lot of trauma there for, you know, for a period of time. Oh, too, yeah, so. definitely. Vicksburg and Matches. Yeah. They do a lot of stuff in Matches as well. And, you know, if I always get asked, what's the most haunted city in Vicksburg? It always comes to a tie between Vicksburg and Natchez. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. about The, the stage, of course, like you were talking about the, the cultural center, that was the stage that they used in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou for people that are familiar yep. with it. And it's, it's, I got to speak on that stage one time. I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get tarred and feathered and drug off the stage, just like they did in the movie. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> well, Brian, I really appreciate you joining us today and uh, continue cool. with your mission. I can't wait to, I'm, I'm, now that I know how to follow you, I'm going to kind of keep up with some of the, some of the work you do because um, when we did the Stucky right. Bridge thing, it was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of cool that these kind of stories exist in Mississippi. Well, if I get out to Stucky's Bridge, I'll let you know. And if you're able to come join us, you know, you're welcome to. That'd be great. I Just be careful about the steel beam there and don't hit your head on it. Trust me, it, it will not give. So I just a okay. little, little word of advice. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. On the line with us now is Melanie Roberts, tour guide with the Mississippi's most haunted house, the, the McRaven Mansion in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Hey, Melanie, welcome to the show. Glad Good to, morning. How are you doing? We kind of got a little bit of a, a preview of what we're going to be talking about just a second ago from for Brian, and, and I am really Hi. excited about this. It sounds like that y'all are literally hopping over there at the uh, at the McRaven Mansion. Every day is something different at McRaven. When you go to work there, you don't know what's going to happen. Why is it? I mean, number one, why is it that particular house has so much activity going on in it? Well, that the house has so much history. The earliest part of the house was built in 1797. Wow. It was the, that part of the state was Spanish territory at the time, and um, just so many dramatic and traumatic events have happened there. Um, you know, obviously, it's right in the middle of Vicksburg, so the siege of Vicksburg happened all around it, and McRaven was used as a field hospital during the siege. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense then, because a lot of people passed in the house. Um, let me ask right. you this. What, what do you think causes ghosts to want to stick around as opposed to moving on to wherever they're going to move on to? I think sometimes the person is just really attached to a particular place. Like we think a lot of the spirits at McRaven hang around because they loved the house. This is where they lived and they're not ready to leave. Some of them have unresolved business. Some of them have had extreme trauma. Sometimes the spirit is attached to an object that way, too. We have one portrait in the front parlor 
um, of the Coolidge sisters. They weren't part of the McRaven history, but um, Mr. French, who was an earlier owner of the house, he purchased the portrait because it was period appropriate and hung it in the parlor and the spirits followed it. Oh, wow. So they were attached actually to the painting itself. That's that's interesting yes. on that. They had they had, had yellow fever, which was, yeah. you know. Oh, it was so bad. And, deadly. Yeah. Right. And their doctor nursed them through it. So it was customary at the time, if you survived a major illness like that, you'd have a portrait or a photo done of yourself and present it to your doctor. So it hung in his office, and um, Mr. French found it in a state sale. And we just think the event attached to that photo or that portrait was so traumatic for these sisters and so life-changing, they can't let go. What drew you to wanting to become a tour guide with the McRaven Mansion? Well, I've always been interested in the paranormal, mm-hmm. but um, my husband, every year for my birthday, takes me somewhere haunted. Oh. And uh, You have a <laughs> good husband. Yeah. I do. He's long-suffering with the paranormal. But um, he took me to McRaven a few years ago, and I just became fascinated with the house. So I told everybody, when I retire, I'm going to go work at McRaven, and all my friends laughed at me. But I retired in June of 2021, and it popped up on my Facebook almost immediately that they were looking for a guide. Isn't that kind of scary how Facebook can read your mind like that? <laughs> I think it was probably listening to you and heard you say something like that. But that's still right. – or it could have been a ghost, the ghost of Facebook. So that did I that. just think I meant to be there. Yeah, know, definitely. On the, what was the first ghost you ever saw? Um. Well – the first ghost I ever saw, not at McRaven, was in my own home. Really? Just a figure that passed by when I was standing in front of a mirror. And, but at McRaven, the first spirit that I actually saw was one Sunday evening. We were between History and Haunted Tours, and I opened the back door looking out toward the outdoor kitchen, and I saw a skirt, the tail of a skirt, going into that kitchen. And we knew we had locked up waiting for the history we lock up between history and haunted and um so we went out there to investigate who's still on the property and there was nobody it was still locked from the outside wow wow was it was it very uh, like a firm that looked like a skirt yeah. or was, oh wow just wow. just looks just looks like a person see you know? i i was kind of wondering that because i always wondered if like being a ghost and you ever have those dreams when you're trying to talk and you feel like you're underwater right. and you can't quite get it out but then suddenly yeah. you like scream out in the middle of the night some word <laughs> i've always wondered if like yeah. being a ghost uh-huh. is like that you know like you literally it's so difficult to get one word out or two words out that's why yeah. somebody will just say their name or whatever the case is like that right i hope not that would be awful and we're kind of attached to some of our spirits yeah oh i bet (laughs) i bet i I mean i mean literally and and they're all friendly spirits i take it because um right yeah well that's good we don't have anything malevolent at mcraven but we do have quite a number of spirits 14 intelligent ones we think 14 wow Mm -hmm. so they're like throughout the history of the house they're people that were in the house or the people in the from the hospital and so forth so um, right yeah so i mean have you kind of figured out who some of them were Yeah, we believe um, Andrew Glass, who built the earliest part of the house, we believe he's there. Stephen and Mary Elizabeth Howard, who bought the house next, um, she she passed in childbirth, and she's there definitely. Brian was talking about that he had seen her several times, and we get her in photos and mirrors, and people see her. She beckons the people from the group, from the tour groups, and kind of draws them off sometimes. Um, we believe the Murray family is almost all there. There were seven children and the mom and dad that lived there. 
And um, then there are soldiers, obviously. There is a mass grave on the property. It holds hundreds of Confederate soldiers. Wow. Wow. So it sounds like trauma, like I said, it sounds like trauma plays a part in, you know, ghosts being on there a little bit. Tell us a little bit what the tour consists of, like the rooms and how long and how much it costs, et cetera, and what, what you might be expected to see on it. Well, we um, we give history tours during the day, Monday through Friday, um, 10 o'clock to 4.30, and we talk about the history of the house and the artifacts that are there, all the antiques, and we give a little, um, you know, personal history of some of the residents. During the holiday tours, which happen on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, it's a little different. We have one that starts at 7 and one that starts at 8.30. You come in, we start you off with a little video, a little history, and then we, uh, a guide takes you through the house room by room and talks to you about the stories that took place in that room or the hauntings that are still going on in that room. So we, have, we see, do the parlor where we um, have the Murray family. Then we do... Um, the Bob bedroom. We talk about the Bobs, and they would live there. They were the, the second owners of the house during the Civil War. Then we go to the back of the house. We visit Mary Elizabeth's room. She was the young lady that passed away in childbirth. We go to the oldest part of the house, um, Andrew Glass's living quarters, and then the kitchen he built in 1797. So have you ever had anybody come in there that was a complete skeptic, skeptic and didn't believe in ghosts? And then by the time they walked out of there, they were like, um, well, okay. I have. We, we have that all the time, actually. One of the questions we always ask before we start our tour is, who believes in spirits and where are my hardcore skeptics? So, um, I had a gentleman just a few weeks ago, he and his wife came in to take a tour. And it was a slow day. They were the only people on the tour. It was a history tour. She was excited that she might see something, but he was totally, I don't believe in that stuff. I'm just indulging her. So we got to Mary Elizabeth's room, and I was telling her story, you know, and talking about the history of the house. And he just got this delighted look on his face. And I said, "Are you know, what's going on? You look so happy. And he, he pointed at the bed, and he had seen the bed depressed, like someone had sat down on it. And the impression was there. And he, he just, he had never seen anything like that before. And I, I think he is a b- believer, a convert. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm going to send Jermaine out there, uh, my producer, because she was saying yeah. that she doubted ghosts. I think we're going to get her straightened out on that. So, um, yeah, she should come, and you too. We'd love to have you come. To oh, that would be fun. No, no, I, I would love to come and, and check it out, just because the history of the the house is so fascinating too. Um, what part? Right. Of, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Pittsburgh, like you said, there's been so much history that's gone on there, and so forth on that. And I was, you know, talking about that on that. It, like warships, for instance, you know, it seems like warships, if they've been uh-huh. in war and there's been, a, you know, like the the USS Hornet right. out in San Francisco is like the most haunted right. ship in the world. The USS North Carolina, once again, has some ghosts on it, too. It's, it is fascinating how it seems like there is a tie in on that a little bit. Is there a time of day um, when you might see a, a ghost more likely or is it a 24-7 thing? Well, for us, it's pretty much 24-7. Things happen while we're on history tours that you just can't be explained away. Yeah. Like but, what? Um, what, are, what are some of the things that, that you've seen over the time that just you're just like, wow, okay, I, was, I didn't see that coming? Okay, well, um, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. we were, I was working a double shift. I did history during the day and holiday in the evening. And so right around 4 o'clock, I did DoorDash. I called DoorDash <laughs> because, you know, we have a little break between history and haunted. So I was, a tour walked up at about 4.15. 
So I started the tour. We were in the parlor, and um, I saw an arm waving at me in the window, just waving up and down an arm. And I thought it was the DoorDash driver. So my partner was supposed to meet the DoorDash driver, but she didn't didn't go to the door. Nothing happened. So I thought, well, maybe she's gone. Maybe she went to the bathroom. So I, I excused myself. I went to the door. Nobody's on the porch. Then the phone rings, and it's our DoorDash driver. She's in the parking lot. She's afraid to come into the grounds. <laughs> so I don't know who was waving at me. Oh wow! So number one, I'm 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 laughing not at the fact that somebody was waving at you, which is kind of scary to be honest with you, kind of spooky. But the fact that the DoorDash driver was terrified to come in on the property that was great. Like because uh, yeah. the ghosts are, I mean, not to quote Casper, but they're friendly ghosts. They are, and they like to be recognized. They like to have their stories told. They like to interact with people. Yeah, well, that, that is cool. What have you ever? Have y'all actually ever heard them say anything? Yes, one night I was in the parlor. And I was turning the lights out for the night, and I heard somebody behind me. There was a tour group upstairs with the other guide, and I was closing up in the bottom. And I heard somebody behind me say, hey. Hey? And I thought it was a guest. Hey. I thought it was a guest that had come down, maybe to use the restroom. I turn around, and I'm alone in the dark parlor. (laughs) No way. No way. But but you obviously are comfortable with that. It, It doesn't scare you, and you don't go running out of the house like I would. No, we don't usually. We kind of get used to the things that happen, like furniture moves. Some they move. They voices. they can move. Wait a minute. They can move things. They can. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's scary. So, like, they knock cups off of <laughs> shelves and things like that. Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes, or you find something that's not supposed to be where it is. Yeah. And there it is. You know, or we we have some chairs up in Mary Elizabeth's room. They move so frequently that we've put scotch tape under the front legs. So that we can tell if they've moved. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they start breaking things, you're going to have to put them in timeout. <laughs> you're like, no, we well, can't. Well, they're a lot older than me, so um, I'm not sure I have that authority. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's true. This is a lot of fun. So uh, go ahead and give out the um, information. I mean, obviously, you might have some events coming up and, and website and contact information so folks can come in and see for themselves. We do have a ghost investigation coming up on November 12th. We have all the equipment that you see on TV, rim pods, um, pendulums, K2s, mail meters, spirit box. We've got a whole box full of goodies, and um, you can be part of an active ghost investigation. November 12th, you can buy tickets online at McCravenTourHome.com, or you can call the house. Um, let me see if I can find the number. Cell phones have ruined us. 601 601- 501-1336 is our number. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Y'all have a website, too, don't you, and a Facebook and all that good we stuff? Yeah. com is our website, and McRaven Tour Home is our Facebook page. And you know what? I'm haunted by the same thing about the cell phones. I can't even, I don't even know my own children's <laughs> phone number, but I can remember my dad's business number from 1975. <laughs> so, yeah, it's incredible. That's scarier than ghosts. Melanie, you're delightful. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Come uh, see us at McRaven. I will do that, definitely, because I want to see a ghost. That'd be really cool. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. And with us is Lorena Queros, who's founder and director of the Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity to discuss their upcoming Day of the Dead celebration and their mission of sustainable change and immigrant-led social economic 
movement through education, organization, consciousness, and participation. Lorena, it's very nice to meet you. We have a special guest in the studio, too, who will be joining us as well. So welcome. Thank you very much. Um, yes, uh, our special guest is Isisela, and she will be really diving into what the meaning of Dia de los Muertos is. I know it. I know what a what a cool celebration. It's something that you know. And we were just talking about that just a second ago. The movie Coco, That's which right. which Pixar. I mean, I'm I'm a cartoonist. I've always loved Pixar. They're such incredible storytellers. But I felt like that not only did they take the story and you know tell its general what you. I mean, and it's basics about it, but it was just such a beautiful and such a beautiful, vivid, colorful story. And uh, and as a Latin American in, uh, immigrant, it yeah. resonated deeply. Like even, you know, as an older sister and the weight that you have to carry yeah. and also growing up seeing my grandmother, um, she was the, the center of everything. And yeah. then also being caregivers for her. Yeah. So it, it was really beautiful and touching that we were represented in such a way. That was great. I just thought of bringing it up because I know a lot of people have seen the movie and they yeah. kind of, it's a, it's a nice way for them to get that mental image in their head as That's we're right. talking about this a little bit. Okay, so go ahead and tell us a little bit about what the what the day's about, what the the the, mo- the moments about. Yeah, so um, we are uh, the only immigrant-led yeah. immigrant uh, organization in the state, mm-hmm. actually. And so within our organization, we have folks from Mexico, Guatemala, mm-hmm. Ecuador, Honduras, Brazil, Panama, wow. and Cuba within our organization. That are, and in leadership, we have Mexico, uh, Ecuador, and Brazil. And so it was very important uh, with such a huge membership of Mexican immigrants in our organization yeah. that we celebrate Day of the Dead. Yes. Uh, and we've begun that celebration. We began on Saturday. We began by making some skulls and decorations, asking community to bring pictures of their ancestors, mm-hmm. uh, bring ofrendas, bring offerings. So people mm-hmm. have brought um, leashes, brought pictures of their puppies, of their babies that they've lost. Oh, I brought wow. a picture of, of my mom and, and rosaries. And so we've begun the decoration of the altar, and we will complete on November the 2nd at our office at 406 West Fortification. But I would like to defer to Isela to oh, please do. give yes. us that, mm-hmm. that, that meaning of what it is that uh, Dia de los Muertos uh, means for folks in Mexico, because it's, it's grand and it's beautiful. Oh, please do. Isela. Mm. Hola, buenos días. Buenos días. Mi nombre es Isela González y soy organizadora con IAG. My name is Isela González and I'm an organizer with IAG. Estoy muy emocionada de venirles a invitar. I'm very uh, excited mm-hmm. uh, to be able to invite you. A nuestro Centro Cultural de Justicia Inmigrante. To our, our Cultural Center of Immigrant Justice. El próximo miércoles 2 de noviembre de 5 a 7 de la noche para la celebración del Día de los Muertos. This Wednesday from 5 to 7 for celebration of Day of the Dead. Hablando un poquito más de esta celebración, quiero apuntar que es una tradu- tradición con orígenes ancestrales. And I want to share a little bit about the celebration, and it has ancestral origins. Y aunque es una, una celebración para los muertos, es una celebración Viva, incluso en nuestras culturas hasta este día. And, and even though we say it's the day of the dead, it's a, it's a, a celebration of life. It's a no, celebration of life even till today. No es, una, no es una celebración para tener miedo porque la palabra, oh, día de muertos puede traducirse como algo muy oscuro. Uh, it is not a time to be scared because sometimes the phrase day of the dead can be translated into something dark. 
es en realidad una celebración a la vida, la vida de nuestros ancestros y de nuestros seres queridos que han muerto. It is really a celebration of life, a celebration of the life of our ancestors that have passed away. Nuestro objetivo es honrar sus vidas y su legado. Our objective is to honor their life and legacy. Y como ya comentó mi compañera, hemos preparado desde el sábado anterior. And as my uh, companion shared, we have been preparing since Saturday. Un altar en honor a, a las vidas, junto con fotos, un altar lleno de amor. An altar in honor of their lives, an altar with pictures and full of love. Lleno de luz de velas, flores. Full of light, full of candles, full of flowers. Fotos. Pictures, platillos favoritos, small que, plates of the favorite to the loved ones que disfrutaban nuestros seres queridos that our loved ones enjoyed. Y nos encantaría este día eh, invitarlos a todos, a todos en la audiencia, a que conozcan parte importante de esta hermosa cultura. And we would like to invite everyone in the audience to get to know this important part of our culture. Y para aquellos quienes ya conocen un poquito de eso, seguir preservando estas lindas tradiciones. And those of us that are familiar with what's going on to, to be able to preserve our culture and our traditions here. Uh, un, una, un icono de estas uh, celebraciones es la Catrina. An icon of this is the Catrinas. Y representa la muerte. And it, Katrina means death. Pero that represents death. Siempre la Catrina se representa muy colorida. She's represented very colorful. Pues el mismo creador de la Catrina, que es el señor José Guadalupe Posadas. The creator of the Catrina, José Guadalupe Posada. Dice que más que temer a la muerte, hay que vivir con ella. Tells us that more than be fearful of death, we must live with her. Así que los esperamos para que conozcan estas tradiciones y vean algo más colorido y, y lindo que es nuestro altar. So therefore we want to invite uh, to get to know our traditions and be able to see this beautiful and colorful altar that we're creating. Mm. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. So it, it, in, in my faith, we talk about All Saints Day, which is the, the next day, very similar on that. How did, did it get started? I mean, how did the tradition start and so forth? Because it's, it's, it's fantastic. My 10th my grader is in Spanish, and he's going to celebrate it in his class, and he's all excited about it. And I said, so what are you going to do? And he said, well, we're taking a picture of my grandfather that, that passed away recently, my dad, mm. and we're gonna, I'm bringing his favorite meal. Yes, and we're that's gonna, right. You know, that's, so it sounds, that's an ofrenda. Yeah, that's, yeah that's it sounds right. like he's got the gist of it yeah. on that. But how did it get started? Um, and so it's through indigenous practices. Okay. Latin America celebrates uh, Dia del Difunto and Day of the Dead. Yeah. It's just a huge ordeal in Mexico. Oh, yeah. There's actually, you know, uh, parades mm -hmm. and people dress up. So this is an indigenous practice that was also changed once Spaniards came and colonized. Yeah. And so there were some other things that would, but the Katrina, what Isela described, yeah. uh, that's a character that was uh, brought on by, you know, a specific person. And so things have been added to the original celebration that indigenous people began. But I'm going to go ahead and, and get exactly what. Sure. Uh, Isela, la pregunta es, ¿cómo empezó en México? En realidad es, es una tradición de orígenes ancestrales porque ya nuestros um, ancestros ya le, le tenían un respeto a la muerte. And so she refers to our ancestral origins and the fact that they had this respect for yeah. death. Yeah. 
en realidad esta tradición que conocemos ahora ya tiene también ciertos uh, mezcla con el con la época colonial. And it it was again it was mixed with colonial times. Yeah. En realidad nuestros nuestros ancestros los antiguos mexicas uh, los antiguos uh, pobladores de, de la región mexicana ya ya rendían culto a la muerte. Incluso la, la película que refiere él, de alguna manera retrata ese origen ancestral de la, de, de, de la, de la muerte. La película de Coco, ahí se hallan los siete niveles. So she was referring to, to our ancestral origins and, as I mentioned, the mixing in with colonial practices. Yeah. And then she made a reference also to Coco and how it refers to that, that there were seven stages los siete los siete lugares a donde los los muertos Seven places iban where después de la muerte y una figura bien importante en la perished. película Coco and a very important figure in the movie Coco es el perrito it's the dog yeah es uh, el perrito para nuestros ancestros and nuestros mexicas for our ancestors uh, mexicas decía decía que si tú fuiste bueno con los animales the story is is if, if you were kind to animals si cuando tú morías, ellos te guiaban When al Mictlán. Te guiaban al Mictlán, que es el lugar to, de los muertos. To Mictlán, which is the place where dead people um, are. Es un poco diferente a la, a la religión actual. Porque nuestros antiguos mexicas dice que uh, no te, uh, depende del lugar. Depende de, de, cómo, de cómo moriste. Depending on how you died. Es a donde tú ibas. Is where you're gonna no go. es de que okay. si hubiera sido bueno o malo. It's not as if you were good or bad. Right. Yeah. I love that, though, with, yeah. the, with, the, with the perrito uh, guiding perrito, you. Sí. Yeah, yeah. I love that because, um, you know, I, I'd like to think that, although Jermaine dressed her dog up like a bat today, and so Jermaine's uh, <laughs> in trouble because uh, her, her dog is not going to lead her any place but off a cliff yeah. for that one on that. Yeah, but, no. but, but, you know, I mean, early, I mean, I remember seeing it, I think it was in the James Bond movie, they depicted it, and you see people in the skeletons and everything, and if you don't know how beautiful that, that's right. what the celebration is, you think yeah. it might be just a carryover from Halloween. Yeah, no. But yeah, it's a it's, celebration, it's, and it's a beautiful celebration of life and of those who came before that's you. Right. And yes. I mean, I love it. You, yeah. you, she, tell her she's doing a great job. Yeah, está haciendo un trabajo tremendo. Sí, lo más importante que esta este país que está lleno de inmigrantes de todas partes del mundo. Are uh, this country that is filled with immigrants from all over the world. Toda esta semana, this en entire el, week, no sé si lo vieron en las noticias, pero en el Rockefeller Center the Rockefeller se hizo Center, una semana completa. It was an entire para week celebrar of celebrations. Wow. Yeah. 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 And and. It, it what what she mentioned immigrants uh i know in my country and and we're talking uh with colombia and peru we started on saturday you know we clear our peoples um at where we bury them yeah. we bring flowers and on the day of the dead the entire family comes and wow. celebrates their yeah. life so creating an altar is just a, a beautiful way but also the altar is communal so it's mm -hmm. not just for immigrants and the staff at IAJE, yeah. we have invited the entire community to bring pictures of their loved ones if they want to bring an offering yeah. to go ahead. We actually made a very, very large altar. It's about, I would say it's about 12 feet by 20 feet wide. That's big. Yeah. yeah. And so it has plenty of space because we want to be able to hold on to our cultures, like Isela said. Our cultures are yeah. 
are just beautiful and colorful in our languages and we want to be able to keep some of that yeah. as we you know as we reside in, in, in these united states as we make it in these united states but also too i mean even coming and i'm sitting there thinking from a personal standpoint what a beautiful tradition to adopt even in your own life and and to honor your family and honor those who came before you that's right i think that's it's gorgeous right. yeah. a little bit She's really good. Yeah, she is. Isela, yeah. Isela is amazing. Yeah. Uh, we we are a base building organization. Yes. We build. Yeah, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we are organizers. Yes. We are in the community and we find leaders mm-hmm. and we work on building leaders and um, to achieve change. Yeah. So it can be, we want the light turned on yeah. in the trailer park in Canton. We worked for two years and the entire lights went on after all this work. So Isela was a leader Mm -hmm. that was organizing with us. She was working in the poultry plants. Uh, Her English wasn't, her English is great, but she would say, no, my English isn't this great. (laughs) I found out in conversations that she has a bachelor's degree in administration, but we weren't able to translate as many immigrants do. Um, And I was like, well, we need an office manager. And we believe in language justice. Yeah. And so, therefore, I thought it'd be perfect to bring her on yeah. and see. And she actually does twice the work that an office manager does because she translates all her emails so she can understand. Then she writes it in Spanish. But she also translates um, documents for other organizations. Okay. She checks our grammar. Even when I'm speaking, I have to, you know, I, I learn from her daily because she was raised in Mexico. Yeah. Her degree was in Mexico, as opposed to me, my degree was in the United States, so my Spanish isn't as polished as, as she is. So that's what we, we do in this organization. We work with folks on the ground, mm-hmm. build leadership to achieve change that we want to see for, for all of us. Well, if it makes you feel any better, my English is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I've been struggling that for years. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the event that's, events that are coming up soon. You can repeat that so that people, in case they miss it, can hear it, too. And some other things and how they can get involved and uh, your website and contact information. Yes. Uh, so the event is November the 2nd mm-hmm. from 5 to 7. Uh, before those days, you can bring us pictures. Isela will take a picture, print yeah. it out so that you don't lose your picture. Mm-hmm. We have frames, so you don't need to worry about frames. And bring a small offering, whether it's some candy, food. On the uh-huh. day of, we're going to participate. We're going to partake of this offerings. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some music and again, celebrate our ancestors' lives. Uh, we're at 406 West Fortification. Mm-hmm. Uh, Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity is the name of our organization. Um, and uh, if people want to get in touch with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, we're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, we have plenty of spaces for volunteer. Language justice is a big one. Our community wants to learn English. So if we have any volunteers that want to come and teach English, and then we also invite people to come in and and get a tour of our space. We've only had it for three months. We've actually purchased an entire building on fortification. And our aim is, is to invest in Mississippi. Yes. Invest in Mississippians and then starting with Jackson. It's a beautiful building. It has murals on the outside that this, that depict immigrants, mm-hmm. indigenous immigrants. And uh, we are a place for the community. So we want to invite anyone that would like to come visit us on the day of or any other time to come and participate with us and share our culture. I'm so glad you, you know, both of you came in today. This has been fantastic. Thank really you for has. having us. Yeah. And uh, you, you strike me as somebody who really is very passionate about what you get to do every day. 
We we are. We are. Yeah. I think every single one of us are because yeah. it's it's our life. Exactly. Yeah. That is incredible. Well, as I say, it's Happy Halloween and, of course, Day of the Dead's coming up. And we, we can celebrate uh, both eating way too much candy today, which I know I'm going to do. And then we can celebrate, of course, those who came before us as well. This That's has been right. a fun show. Thank you Thank again. Thank you. This has been great. Jermaine, you. Uh, you know, you took your mask off, so I now know who you were. I thought you were Batgirl sitting in there for so long. So. I didn't want to scare Lorena and then when I went to go get them, so I didn't want to leave the mask on. <laughs> it, it, it's a good look on you. It really is. So Wait a minute. That's not a compliment. No, never, never mind. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to especially thank our guests, Brian Riley, Melanie Roberts, and Lorena Correz, and of course, you know, um, Hazeli as well. Uh, if you'd like to hear any of this or any of the past episodes, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB Public Media app. Now You're Talking is production of MPB Think Radio is produced by Jermaine Flood. Join us again next Monday. I'm Marshall Ramsey wishing you a happy Halloween. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. We'll be right back.